Several years ago, I started playing coin games, and those games still have a stigma of being really hard or difficult to learn. So what I decided to do was get three people from our Discord channel who listened to the show who were interested in trying out a coin game and playing it for the first time. Now, if Tony was here, he would want a title something like, Do Coin Games Suck? But since Tony isn't here, <laughs> it's going to be, Are Coin Games Difficult to Learn? All right, before we get into this, I am thrilled to have three special guests on this podcast, three people who had never played a coin game before, who took the challenge to be taught by me how to learn, uh, how to play a coin game. So I'm going to go around the horn and uh, introduce everybody real quick. First, we have Ben Hamowitz. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Marty. Thanks for, uh, for setting this all up. And then uh, another guy I've known for many years because of working together at the Portal Boost during different conventions, uh, Ben Nicholson. Hey, thanks for uh, teaching us, Marty. It was great. And then uh, Evan Miller is also joining us. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be now here. Let me, now, let me set everything up what I did. So I was just really eager kind of to play Cuba Libra. So I got on our Discord channel and I just threw it out there. Is anybody interested in learning how to play a coin game? And uh, especially if you have it and you never played it and you you three guys stepped up and said, yes, I would. Now, before we get into this discussion, people may be wondering, well, I don't even know what a coin game is. So let me just explain what this is. And instead of me doing it from memory, I've actually got the GMT page pulled up here. So just let me read it <laughs> verbatim. Uh, GMT Games. This is the uh, the company that produces these style of games. This series features Volko Runka, who's the designer, game system presenting guerrilla warfare, not gorilla, gorilla. There's, a, there's not animals. It's not Planet of the Apes. Just get that out there. Um, asymmetric warfare and counterinsurgencies, which is where coin comes from, counterinsurgencies around the world in both historical and contemporary conflicts. And the next paragraph is funny, guys. It said, you know, people always ask, what is the first game you should learn? Even GMT suggests Cuba Libra is probably the least complex in terms of systems, rules overhead, and game size and length, which is why this is a pretty good way to go. So let me just ask this to set up the stage. Would all three of you guys, you, you, you consider yourself experienced gamers. You've been playing games for quite a while, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Did all of y'all already own Cuba Libra? Yes. All <laughs> yes. three of you did, but you've never played it. So I'll ask you one at a time, Ben H., why was it on your shelf of shame still? So actually, I well, I'd gotten it because of you. You were in my wallet, as they say, and, <laughs> and Rodney Smith and your various posts about it over and over. And then, of course, somebody in the Discord like posted I, up the fourth edition is now available for pre-order so i just went ahead and did that without thinking which is how i buy most of my board games and uh then it comes and it looks great and but you know i've got the box sitting there i've got a backload that i wouldn't care to uh divulge but a very large one and you know you open it i open it up i sleep the cards because i'm that type of person much to my own shame and uh you know then you see that like thick very text-filled, very technical manual, and uh, back into the, under the shelf it goes for a while. 
<laughs> All right, Ben, the other Ben, why is it on Shane Shane still? Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I can't remember exactly when I got it, but I think Rodney Smith on Twitter was probably one of the big ones. And I um, always wanted to try, try dabble a little bit, and I read like different game types, like 18xx, I did like three years ago, Origins ones. And that was neat. Probably not my genre. I was like, well, I want to do coin game, you know, and uh, I was her cute label was the one to learn from. I mean, it was from. It was heavy podcasts, the heavy, uh, heavy cardboard of Edward, maybe. Um, but yeah, you open that rule book and you're like, you know, I can read this all day, but it's not, it's just not going to click until I actually put these on the table and move. <clears throat> it just never happened. There was no drive. And then when we talk about it on Discord, it's like, well, here's my chance. Yep. And finally, Evan, who, if you're, by the way, you can see this episode on YouTube. This is one of our shorter episodes where we put it on YouTube, call it a vidcast. Uh, behind Evan is basically about every coin game I can imagine <laughs> sitting <Yeah>. there unplayed. <laughs> so you're a fan of a series and never even played the game. Why? That is correct. It's one of those things where you've been playing long enough. You know if something's going to be in your wheelhouse, and I knew it was going to be in my wheelhouse. Now, I'm probably one of the few that probably isn't intimidated by the rule book. I, I have so many games. I mean, this is a very small portion of what I have and I more or less read rule books for fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, it sat on my shelf a shame mostly because of lack of opportunity. Mm. Um, I, the majority of my gaming is done with my wife and my kids. Uh, the oldest of which is 14. So my wife's not really interested and the others aren't ready for um a strategy heavy game like that and my opportunities for getting out and uh, playing outside of the house are few so it just sat there for a very long time so i could say that about 99 percent of my collection <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my steam list uh, basically i go pull open steam it's like holy crap i bought a lot of games i've never played so i feel yeah. your i feel your pain there all right, so here's what I did. I threw it out on Discord, and I said, now here's the thing. I would like to play this in in uh, not real time. But basically, everybody set up a physical copy of uh, the game and leave it set up over time, and we would video our moves uh, each time we do it, and everybody would copy the moves to make sure everybody's boards stayed in sync. And the reason why I like that is because with this style of game, personally, I'm a, I'm a tactic tactile, not a tactical, a tactile player. I like being able to look and feel and move the pieces and look at the cards and everything. I could just think better um, playing it that way. And so have have y'all ever played a game like we did it that way before? Nope. Yeah. Definitely first time in. But I agree about the tactile-ness. I find it very difficult. I like. I mean, I'll play a game on BGA or, or something like that, but I play much worse because I just don't have the things in front of me and I get fixated on whatever I'm doing and lose track of what the opponents are doing and all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing about this that's nice about this. Uh, so, like, for example, right now I'm playing a game of um, Nevsky with Ignacy from Portal on a site called Rally the Troops. Now, typically we play the physical version, but... We wanted to play on the Rally of the Troops because it enforces rules. And this way, we make sure we were playing it correctly. But like, he'll take a turn. It's like, well, what just happened? 
and you had to like kind of read through the notes to try to figure out what happened. So what we were doing is cool. We each narrated our own moves, what we were doing, and then we would, uh, on our own boards, emulate those moves. So we were actually moving the pieces ourselves, and it was easier to follow what was going on. So before we got started, I basically got the board set up. And I will say, Kuba Libra is very easy to set up because the board is actually labeled with the starting uh, pieces of everything on the board. So it shows you what pieces should be in every province on the board. And this is Cuba. And this is basically Castro's insurgency that happened in the uh, late fifties. That's the theme of this game. So we got it all set up. And then I did a video kind of going over uh, how does coin work? Uh, there are four factions. Each of us took a different faction. Each faction plays differently. So what I did was let's go over the core rules first. This is a card-driven game. It's an event-driven game to where an event will come up at the top of the card. The event will say, here's the order that the different factions will take an action this turn. What I, but what I had to explain was whoever's first has a lot of decisions to make. They could like take the event on the card. They can take a full action to where they just take a regular action and a special action. Or they can take like a limited action where they can't take that special action. But the thing is, though, whichever one they decide dictates what the next faction will be able to do. So, for example, if I took the event, the next uh, faction to be able to go would be able to take a full turn if they want. If I took a full turn with the special activity, that leaves the event available for somebody else to do. But if I do a limited action where I kind of constrain myself... That really limits what the next person to do. They can't take a full turn or an event. So I had to kind of explain that part of the game, which to me is a core part of the coin game. So just let me throw this out there. How did you feel about that type of system? Oh, and by the way, once two people have acted, that's it. They're done. So only two factions will actually do something potentially at the most each card. And I'll just go around the horn again to make it easy. Uh, ben H. I, I love that mechanism. I mean, again, you can sort of feel that push and pull of wanting to do your own thing versus potentially helping the next person. And I know for me, um, the other thing was that we would see what the next card was. So a lot of times you're like, oh, man, I, I want to do this thing. But then that next card is too good for that even. so. And, and you could also sort of tactically screw someone over too because you knew that they basically wouldn't get to do anything for the next two turns if you just hold off so that was a lot of fun um so yeah that all of that was great and and the balance of it and and playing trying to predict what other people have to, are going to do as, as much as you're figuring out your own best move ben in what do you yeah i mean it was really cool stuff with um i would call it uh you want to take a really amazing turn but you know if you do you're leaving yourself open to be attacked the problem is you have other people you're playing against right there i'm against you and uh that's really near i like that <clears throat> events are really nice but sometimes they're, not, they're situational they may not be useful all the time and um i wasn't that hard to learn once you did a couple like a round or two it wasn't like oh now i get it and because two player two players per card right like you did a couple cards and by the time you got a chance to do this once and then it wasn't bad so yep yeah pretty easy evan yeah, it, it was interesting because, um, man, I'll tell you, with, with the, the whole thing with the, the two factions and then it goes on, 
And if you're not the first faction, there was so many times I was the second faction. There's something I needed to do, but I needed a, a full turn as opposed to a limited turn. And I'm just sitting there praying like, please just do this, please do this. So I could take a full turn and then they wouldn't do it. And I like, multiple turns in a row getting stuck with a limited turn and it's just like ah <laughs> so it, it it definitely made uh the, the strategizing aspect of the game interesting since you were never quite sure what the person ahead of you was going to do and whether or not you were going to have uh, enough to be able to do what you really needed to do or if you were going to kind of get i don't want to say screwed over because there was always something you could do, but just maybe not necessarily the optimum thing you could do. Oh, I got screwed over many times. I'm just going to say right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the balance is that we all felt screwed over. Yes, everybody was eventually uh, screwed yeah. over at, at some point. Now, I will say, what's interesting too is you get to see the next event card that's coming. And Ben H., you made this point. You may see the uh, next event card has something really cool that you can take. And you may see, oh man, I would actually get to go first on the next event card. So on your turn, you may go, I pass. What And what that pass allows you to be available for the next card. Because if you do take one of the actions, that makes you ineligible for the next event card. Which is, I, so I guess y'all notice towards the end of the game, when a lot of the points were starting to get set, we all started playing mind games with each other. Sometimes you deliberately didn't take the best action for yourself, trying to make sure somebody else doesn't get a good action because you think it may be more detrimental to you if you gave somebody else that opportunity. Yep. <laughs> sure. And the timing of when the game ends made a big difference too, because at different points, we were like either uh, pulling for that uh, end game card to come out or to not come out for yeah. like two more cards. And they could have been yeah. very different depending on when it drops. Good point. Let me explain how that works. So there's four scoring phases in this game. And those are represent. Uh, there's a called uh, there's cards in the deck called propaganda cards. And the, the at the beginning of the game, uh, the deck is split into four equal quartiles and you shuffle in one propaganda card into each of those quartiles and stack them on top of each other. So you know every, whatever it was, 11 or 12 cards, and we played the shorter version of the game, so we took some cards out to make it a little bit shorter. We knew there was a propaganda card somewhere in that stack. So it, when that happens, we actually do a scoring to where potentially somebody could win. Somebody theoretically could win on the first propaganda card if you meet your victory conditions. But that didn't, so that didn't happen. And so that in that last quartile of the deck, when somebody was ahead, man, they were praying, please let the propaganda come up. And everybody else was going, no, no, we have to, because we were constantly pulling each other. It's like, a, what is it, the lobsters in a bucket? When somebody starts crawling yeah. out, we, somebody else can drag them and pull them back down. So uh, it's, it's super tense in that last uh, portion of the game as you wait for that propaganda card uh, to pop. Now, I will say uh, there was a lot of terminology that we used in the game, pieces, spaces, uh, etc. And they were very specific about what they meant. Was terminology an issue for anybody? Because that terminology was very important in the actions that you could take with your factions. 
No, I, I didn't think, think it was because uh, you know the we're all I, I you know we're all pretty experienced gamers. We're, we're used to games where they have very specific like name of what something is, you know, and that when it refers to that, that is the specific thing it's referring to. I feel like we had a few times where we had instances where we got confused and we had to go back a turn and fix it. Um, right. Cause like you have the, was it controlled and, uh, can we call, uh, yeah, yeah, those are things that were kind of easy to miss. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. I was just gonna say, but there was a glossary too. And I like the fact that like, you could be, that you could be sure that they were very targeted in their, their wording so that if they put this word in there, they meant exactly that thing. And um, it did remind me a little bit of Root, which I know uh, that's the whole thing is Root like a coin game or not. Mm-hmm. But that's another game where the rules are very much like every single word is, is chosen very specifically. And then if you look at like the glossary, you can figure out if your thing applies or not. And as opposed to, I think, you know, some board game to a more casual rule book will sort of like flow out pieces or token somewhat interchangeably. And then you sort of have to like Google on BGG. But I think here, everything you need to figure it out is in front of you, but it, it can still be easy to make like a careless mistake because you're used to thinking of one, you know, grouping a couple of things under the same terminology when there is a difference between a piece and a token or whatnot. Right, yeah, but I was actually going to bring up the fact that uh, like a piece is every wooden thing on the board, but a, a base is a very specific thing. You could say cubes. Well, there's two different types of cubes, and if it meant uh, policemen or troops, it will specifically say that. If it could be either, it will say cube. So there's like a hierarchy of what things are, and once you learn that, then when you go to read the actions you can take with your factions, it makes more sense. So let's jump into that. To me, I think the biggest hurdle for a coin game is once everybody understands the basic rules, you have to learn the specific actions you can take for your faction because it is very asymmetric. What uh, the government can do is going to be way different than what July 26 can do. Likewise, winning conditions between all four factions are also very different. Now, each of us picked the faction that we wanted to play. So out of curiosity, how difficult did you find it to learn the, I think it was like four basic actions you had for your faction and three special actions. And we'll just, I'm just make it easy and go around the horn again. So Ben H. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, Like you said, we, you you took on the fashion that was the most different from the rest of us, the, the police. So the I government. think that helped. Yeah, the government. So in our so I think we were all in a somewhat similar place, especially again Ben Ben Ann and I, me being July twenty sixth and him being the directorio. So I really I just tried to sort of you know keep referring to that sheet every time, and like it's said, it's very literal in terms of like you can do this do this i think the thing that threw me off is almost the first time i made a mistake was because i didn't read correctly that it was really very much an if then statement of if you meet these three consecutive conditions and this happened otherwise it's that but it is all written out there and and just referring to that each time i think i fell into the groove pretty after a few turns been in yeah i mean so some of our, our abilities overlap so it wasn't like so. Ben H and I were you know, insurgents, so a lot of stuff was similar. 
like recruiting was a little different. So like the idea made sense, right? And I think what helped the most is because Marty took on the other role. So when it's like the most experienced player should probably play the most different faction and then everybody else should play like the other ones that are similar. I think that helped a lot. Um, of course, so you were also more lucky you could be uh, tearing down by everybody. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, it wasn't that bad. Like, once you, like, I, I know at least, at least I didn't know a lot of us. We just pulled levers. Hey, how does this action work? How does this action work? And that just, once we did all those, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I know them all now. So, and with the, the, the player aid is really good. I use that all, almost the entire time you played. Which in most games you don't do, right? You like look at it once, you know, okay, I got it. But I guess you, you know, every time I play this game, always having that thing next to me just because it's super useful. I will say, I, I 100% agree. Every time I play this, it's like literally once you kind of understand the basic core of the game, you really don't need to look at the rule book anymore because the player aid is so good. And everybody gets a copy of a player aid, and all four factions are on the player aid because. You do need to understand what other factions can do. And it's really, even after playing one time, you can kind of see, well, even though I didn't play government, I can see what Marty was doing and go, oh, well, I understand what his options are now and how to read what his stuff does to where if you played, if we played again, any of y'all could play the government and, and play fine. So, um, Evan, what are your thoughts? I think um, to kind of play off what, Ben H was saying, and, and what you said, yeah, the, the, the player aid is great. And so a couple turns in, you've you've kind of gotten the groove of how your actions work. Really, more of the complexity comes is, okay, now how do I take this to achieve the objectives I need to achieve to win the game? Um, and especially, so... Uh, the Directorio in July 26, they had very, very similar abilities. Um, your uh, The government abilities were almost completely different. And I, I only had like overlap on one or two abilities. And, the, and that was about it. So I, I was pretty different as well. The syndicate. Um, yeah, and uh, I got I got to be the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, just and and especially since uh, probably something we'll get into a little later. Since I had two scoring conditions that had to be met, uh, it was like, man, how how do I puzzle this out? You know, with all these things, and um, and yeah, the, the the player aid though made it real easy. Even if every turn I was I was sitting like this. Over the <laughs> for those who can't see the on the podcast, for those who it. can't see on the podcast, he had his head in his hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just staring at it, and then staring at what other people could do to screw me over and everything. And, and so, um, yeah, a couple, a couple turns in, and it was just real snappy and easy to to figure out what was going on. So the scoring conditions. Let's talk about that for a second. So. All right, let's just set well, so far how something we've gotten the basic premise of the game, how everything's laid out, what terminologies are, uh, how the different factions were. So far, 
No, I'm going to wait till the very end. I'm, the final thing I'm going to ask y'all is how difficult this is to learn compared to other games. So we're just going to we're going to say that to the very end. So the last thing is the actual propaganda card because when that comes out, it's kind of a timeout or pause in the game, and there's a sheet we have to go through step by step through the propaganda phase, and this is where different things happen. One, the very beginning, has anybody won on the victory point track around the board? There's clear delineation of where somebody's faction token must be in order to win the game. If they're at that point, they win the game. But what's different is Evan referred to, everybody's conditions are totally different. Uh, Syndicate is all about, I'm just trying to get casinos open and a lot of money, baby. Whereas the, uh, the government is like, look, I just want everybody to support the government. July 26th is, uh-uh, I want you to support us, the opposition. Directorios, look, we just want to control a lot of different provinces and we'll be cool, all right? So everybody has different different ways to win. But in the propaganda phase, the first thing you'll check is that. But then there's this whole thing about a, a getting resources. Everybody has a chance to get some resources. Everybody maybe gets a free action. We reset and we continue from there. I think... In my times that I've played, whenever I've taught this game, and I do, do you guys the same way. I'm not going to tell you how the propaganda phase works until we get to that point. Because once we start walking through it, the propaganda phase will make sense because you've played some of the game. With the way I taught that, how do you feel that worked? Holding back that important piece of information until the first time we went through it. I can, Anybody? I <laughs> No, I think it made sense. I think, you know, again, there's a lot of information flying out there. Um, and, I, I, yeah, learning it piecemeal like that. Um, like like Ben said in the beginning, what you encouraged us was sort of to pull the lever. So I think a lot of our early rounds was um, was figuring out sort of what are, what do these different things do. And in that sense, the propaganda phase made sense there too. I think uh, for me, like – strategically uh what i would do the biggest thing that i realized after the whole game was done that i need to do next time because i didn't do it on any propaganda phase was really set myself up for those bonuses that come in the propaganda phase that you can only get if you meet certain conditions and i think that was where i where i did not plan ahead enough I will say, uh being in that's where you did a really good job you saw after that first propaganda phase oh I can get resources just by having different pieces in different provinces. And you kind of positioned yourself all over the board to make sure when that propaganda phase hit that uh, you got resources. Cause all of us found out by the last quartile of the game, resources are very hard to get. <laughs> and lots of times on our turn, if we couldn't take the event, we literally had to pass to create resources that we could potentially use next turn. So good job on that, Ben and picking that up. Yeah, I mean, teaching the way I think it was really good, Marty. Uh, this is kind of how I, I teach Robins and Crusoe to people. But you can't tell them all the rules. They'll just fall asleep or they, they just lose interest. You tell them the bare minimum they need to know. They do more. They're the ones the gamers have to know everything. You just make them play around. And then when they can see the end of the round or whatever special event thing happens, then you show it and then you move on. And just that just makes it so much better. It's like the best way to teach games, especially if you demo games a lot just show it and we'll get there and eventually it all makes sense evan yeah it uh 
Sorry, my kids were, were bothering me. I've totally lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is just like Tony and his dogs coming on, except I can't yeah. get that part out. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I think that was probably the smart way to go. I mean, not overwhelming. I mean, the, the nice thing about the, the propaganda round, once we got to it, it's very procedural. So once you get to it, it's just step by step, boom, 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 go through it, and, and that's it. So really waiting to teach it until you got to that point i think it's fine because it's it because it's so procedural it's like you don't really need to go through it um other than just to say hey when you know when this pops up if you've met your winning condition you're going to win outside of that the rest of it can wait except what would uh, uh, what uh, both bands uh, said too it's like well there is a chance to get some resources during that turn and you right. might want to position yourself to get resources, especially for syndicate. That's where those old cash markers come into play. If you got them on the board, cash, cash markers and open cash casinos. Markers. Yeah, yeah, that that was it. So, and by the way, for anybody listening, it's like, well, Marty, you're a jerk. You didn't tell them the full rules before you started playing. <laughs> I told everybody at the beginning, this is a learning game. It doesn't matter who wins or loses. I said, 100% learning. Even though, who who did win? Directorio. Uh, ben, yeah. ben, ben, ben in for the podcast raises raises hand. <laughs> and nobody nobody met their victory condition though. Basically, it came down. That's right. You didn't win on. Yeah. We had to see who, who was closest to meeting their winning condition, and right. that's uh, that's how it came down um, at the end. So yeah. But, so uh, like, sorry, what? I'm pretty sure at one point in the game, every single one of us did meet the victory condition at least for like you know one turn. But you didn't have it once. That's funny because I know no, that I have short. I, uh, Marty, you got it very early on, and then we all just ganged up against you. Mm -hmm. um, and I was seesawing back and forth, and then you were bopping me back down. And Evan, you had it for a little bit too, and I went after you, which is another interesting thing because we all kind of had to go after different people. Yeah, I, th I think kind of I think I was above for about almost a. I want to say a quarter of the game. It just couldn't get a propaganda card to come up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was and, like, please come up before the next one so they don't pull me down. And then, you know, and then it happens. So. And I will say, if y'all, for those who are listening like asymmetric games, you would love this game because uh, I, you guys said, oh, Mar government started out so well. It's designed for the government to come out quick. They want to win as fast as they can. Because as y'all saw, the longer the game goes, the resources really dry up for the government. Meanwhile, the July 26th and the others are just gaining momentum over time. So for fans of asymmetric games, I highly recommend this because each four play totally different and you could play each faction and they the victory conditions are so different that um, you'd have to play different every time you played with a, with a different faction. And what's cool is because of the event deck, it will always come out different too. And... There were there were times all of us got I was got screwed by Lady Luck because of how cards came up right. It's like there was a certain time where man, I never get to go first or second on the event card. I'll always get the second choice. I think it kind of happened to all of all of us, and that's just kind of the nature of the game. It was that way with every uh, Cuba Libre game I played in the past. And I will say the reason why Cuba Libre is is recommended again. It's a smaller board. There's a lot less pieces. If anybody goes and looks at the first game that came out, Andy and Abyss, 
it's a much bigger board and the, there's tons of wooden pieces everywhere. Even though it plays very similar, just the smaller board, everything's just kind of easier uh, to look at, uh, which is why uh, this was recommended. Um, so any anything on the teach or the play anybody wants to add before I ask this big final question here? Great history lesson. Oh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, did 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 you learn anything as far as the historical aspect of it? Oh yeah, I, I didn't even know about the directorio and the whole student <laughs> uprising thing, or or even the the mafia's role in in the whole situation during that time. So yeah, it, it definitely uh, definitely taught something. Which is one of the great things about historical games to begin with. Yeah. And the and the uh, the rule book is basically there's a, a rule book and then there's a playbook that has a lot of the historical part of the game. And each event card is basically a little history lesson in itself. And you can actually go look at the book and look up the event card and it tells you a little bit about the card that you're playing. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I did that with uh, like Twilight Struggle or the 1960 making me president. Like that was great. I, I feel like I read a history book. It was fun. And I actually went back and read more stuff about it later on. All right, so here it comes. The whole thing was our coin games. Wait a minute, what did I call this thing again? (laughs) How difficult is it? No, that's not the right one. Are coin games difficult to learn? So here we go. Compared, you guys are all experienced gamers. How difficult is, we'll just stick to this game in particular, Cuba Libra. How difficult is this game compared to others in in learning? Is it like, I don't know, would you say it's, it's 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 up there with some of the more difficult games you've had to learn. You may consider it average, just at whatever scale that you want to use. And once again, I'll go around the horn. How go backwards this time, Evan? What about you? Um, overall, I'd say it wasn't really that difficult to learn. I, I think at its core, it's actually an easy to learn system. You know, what once you you have it explained how. You know, you've got the current card and the next card. You can see the order that uh, we'll, we'll call it initiative, what the initiative order is for everybody. Um, and, and taking it, I mean, you, you've got three or four choices of what to do. The complexity really comes in the strategy, figuring out what you want to do to further your goals. But the actual rule system and the rule set is not difficult at all. I mean, if if you've played Root, uh, if you've played, I mean, a, any other kind of game that's asymmetric, uh, this is going to be easy enough to learn. I don't think it'd be difficult at all. Okay, been in. I mean, I'm thinking like, was it about, was about the same as like a midway to heavy euro? Like midway to heavy euro. Okay, that's a good way. To like put it. it didn't feel like it was. You know, like, Thing, like it wasn't as hard as through the ages, like through the ages, through the ages was a bit more difficult. Okay, it's harder than say, like, I don't know, Rococo or Agricola or something like that, right? So it's somewhere in between there. Of course, I'm, it might differ based who you are, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad at all. It, it took work, but once we got playing, it wasn't really that bad at all. So, yeah, okay, and finally, Ben H. Yeah, no, I agree that, um. At medium to heavy, it, it's certainly there have been worse games, and 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 you know ultimately it comes down to if something has a good rule book, I think it's learnable. As something with a terrible rule book, it's even if it's a simpler game, can be so much harder to learn. Uh, 
So uh, a few games are popping into my mind right now, but I won't name any names here. <laughs> um, and so I think, again, the the once you get into it, it does make a lot of sense. And, and even like versus some Euros, I found it almost simpler because we do have that really specific laid out sheet that just lists every single thing you need to know as opposed to sometimes you know some some games you just have to remember well you can normally do this this and this but if this one thing is here then you can't there weren't really exceptions like that that make it more confusing but i do think the big advantage though was that we had you marty as our gaming sherpa to lead us through it so it might have been I, do, I could imagine it being a little more difficult or intimidating if it was just someone, if you if all four people were new to the game. I think um, having that rule book does help, but someone does have to dive in because it's it's a very explicit and literal rule book, but it, it's not, it, it is intimidating. Um, and it's not honestly, set up the way most people are used to having a rule book set up. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It did. I mean, obviously, model their rule book off of this. So again, I think I think if somebody's comfortable playing rule, they can definitely learn this. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I I tend to like to have like a, a how to play video out there or something, and there aren't that many for this one. So having you walk me through, and now I feel like I have the confidence to pick up another, the next level of coin game as well. But it's just and- dipping that toe in the water that might be tricky. And we talked about at the very beginning, why is it on your shelf of shame? And and somebody mentioned about, well, you know, you look at the rule book. It is that rule book with the two columns of text. Uh, it's not colorful. Uh, there's not a lot of pictures or images. It is small print. It's broken down in the, you know, the the law document. You know, everything it's is an section, outline format. section and numbered, right? Yeah, an outline format. And some people may be like, oh, no, no, for, forget this. But to me, once you've kind of been through it, I don't... I kind of like that because then I can go to the back, go to the index. Oh, go to section 3.4. Okay, 3.4. You read it and it may reference something else. And in parentheses, okay, well, this is in 6.3. Oh, okay. Well, I can flip over there real quick and find it. I actually like once you understand the layout of how a lot of these GMT rule books are, I actually appreciate it because I, I think I can find stuff quicker. Yeah, I, I agree. I I really kind of like that outline format, specifically for what you said. I mean, I'll, I'll read a, a, I'll be like, ah, oh, how does this work again? And I look it up and it'll reference other things. And like you said, everything has uh, the numeric indicator of where it is in the rule book. So you can just flip it. If you need to double check it, it's easy to, so you're not hunting through it. All right. So you've played Cuba Libra. Uh, You've got, uh, Evan, a whole shelf uh, full of games back there. Um, I know, uh, I think all of us actually just bought uh, the uh, British Way. The British Way. The the British Way, which is a really short form version of coin, but only for two players. And we haven't started yet, but we've all agreed. Yeah, let's learn the rules. We'll split up into two teams and we'll play the same scenario. And then maybe the winner's you know, play each other, the second scenario and the losers play. So we, all of us are going to kind of do that. But aside from that, what's the next coin game that you would want to jump into, whether you already own it or you want to go buy it. Um, and we'll just go around the horn again, Ben H. Yeah. I think that's certainly though the biggest endorsement that every single one of us won in and bought this game immediately after we finished. And um, so I, I don't, 
necessarily know all the details of the other ones. I guess I would probably want something. I, I would still be intimidated to jump into the full on because, again, the next step of this is that I have to get to take this game and introduce it to my gaming group, which means now I have to be the teacher. Mm-hmm. Now I and and you know it, we'll see how long it takes playing in person, but maybe it'll be have to be over like two gaming nights and leave it set up. Uh, how long is your gaming? How long is your gaming night? We can, uh, it depends on how, how much sleep we're willing to lose out on, but I would say we normally go, but like, we normally go at least three hours. So, okay. There's a, there's a shot. I have taught it and got it within three hours. Um, so I would be curious, uh, if you do bring it to your group and how that, how that goes. So I hope that you do because teaching it is a really great way to, uh, obviously to learn it. So, so you may just kind of stick with this one and see where this goes and then maybe, Obviously, we bought the British way, but maybe go on from there. Yeah, I think Fire in the Sky is one that you've been talking about a bit. Or Fire mentioned- in the Lake. Lake, that would be it. Yeah. Yes, Fire the- in the Sky is an alien abduction movie from the 90s. but of course, <laughs> uh, Vietnam, no, I, I think you were Vietnam thinking thing. of, uh, uh, there you go. Uh, what is it? Uh, He's looking at his shelf. The Falling Sky, that's what it was called. Falling oh. Sky, there's Falling Sky. Yeah. Yep. There's Fire, there's fire in the Lake. I think I'm in fire in the lake, but uh, that's a very popular one. And a lot of people say, Oh, just jump into the one that this, the theme's most interesting to you. I've played fire in the lake. I will go, no, don't do fire in the lake first, because there's a resource sharing thing between the Americans and the South Vietnam. That's like kind of crazy. Um, but that's a very popular theme. And, and one of the more popular coins strictly because of the theme. Uh, ben in what's uh, next for you? Uh, Falling Sky, I like the Roman history a lot. That, yeah. Liberty, Liberty or Death, that just looked cool. So, Liberty or Death on my shelf of shame. I still need to play it. That's the next one I want to get to the table, personally. Well, we got time, man. Yep. Evan? <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, also, Liberty or Death is oh, uh, the one that I'd like th- to do next. That's three of us that want Liberty or Death. Ben, you gotta buy it. Sounds like I got to go jump on a website and make an order. Uh, I, think, I think it's currently in. I think it's in a reprint right now. It is. It is. I think. I think. Is it? Did it, it? Uh, I think it may be. Is it already shipped or it's in the process? I, I think it's still. I think, I think it's still right in now. process. I think I could be wrong. Because <laughs> I know that's one that's been out for quite a while. It is at the printer. So if you want to get it now, everybody, for $59, go out to gmtgames.com, P500. It's regularly $85. If you want any of their games, do the P500 pre-order. It's way cheaper that way, $59. It's right at the printer right now, which means it'll probably be shipping within the next month or so. So, And this is the third printing of this game, too. Wow. When you do two fifty five hundred, usually you get an entry into a hey, GMT. Uh, give a kickback to Marty. Keep show life for those five dollar. Uh, All right, so but this if this counts as a verbal commitment from everyone that this will be one that we all play. I'll I'll order it right now. Uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. look at that! I'm in his wallet. <laughs> hey. hey, no, no, we're in his wallet, not just Marty. That's right, because all of us, uh, Ben Yard, uh, Ben in, you already got it, right? I, I, I'm I'm waiting on mine being printed. Oh, perfect. So that well, three of us are already in. Yes. <laughs> which one is it again? Sorry, one more time. Liberty <laughs> or Death, which is the American Revolution death. theme one, which I thought would be cool. And a lot of us yeah, learned I, that I like, in schools. Uh, so. American history. So, yeah. 
that that'd be great. All right, so there you go, everybody. So is it difficult to learn? These guys say not really. Uh, if you have somebody that can teach a good teacher, now I'm not necessarily a good teacher, but obviously somebody that can walk you through it, it is easier that way. It is intimidating if you just open the rule book and go, whoa, this there's just so much going on here. But if you can find somebody to teach it, you'll learn it real quick, and then you can help spread. And look, we're already getting ready to play another game of the British way. We've suckered in Ben H. in order to buy Liberty or Death. Uh, Evan's got a whole shelf full of them over there. So. I can do all of them. Uh, coin for life. Coin for life. Uh, one last thing we'll go around the horn. What is your favorite aspect of coin games so far that you like the best? Whether it be the asynchronous gameplay, the way the action selections work, the event deck, whatever you want it to be. And I'll give you five seconds to think. I'll tell you mine first while you think about it. Even if you duplicate me, that's fine. I love the action selection. I think that is so freaking cool. When you've got to decide first, oh crap, that event is really, really good for this person over here and it's no good for me. So if I take a full turn, I'm leaving it to them to take, forget that mess, I'll take the limited action so they can't have it. That decision right there, I think is the best part of coin. Uh, ben H. No, I completely agree. The action selection and just that, that calculus you have to do in your head of like, what do I do to not let this other person's turn be too good? And you're seeing already the next turn. So you're like, if I go, then th if I do this, and this person is definitely going to go, which means that next time this other guy is going to get to go before me and I'm really going to be screwed and, and all of that. So definitely trying to keep that all, you know, like juggling that and, and, and figuring out how best to, to do your own turn without uh, helping other people. Been in. I agree with that. I mean, it's, that action selection is great. I mean, it's, it's, it's a knife in a phone booth, right? A nice knife fighting in a phone booth. Everyone's jockeying <laughs> for like five, six locations, but you all want different things. And but you want to do something for yourself, but you have to know other people, and you can't do it for everybody. Um, and so I guess another thing we have we have some table talk going on too. That was kind of nice. Like, oh, hey, yeah. oh, we have some we nasty table talk. It's like, oh. I'm like Evan, Evan, you're not gonna let him. You're not gonna let him take that event, are you, Evan? Don't let him take that event. <laughs> in, in in real time with your friends, y'all will so do the same thing. You'll try to pressure somebody else. Don't let him. Don't give him that. Don't give him that. That's what makes it fun too. Is the table yeah. talk. Don't tag me here, but I won't tag you there. But we'll oh, and that sort of stuff goes on too. Negotiations are wide open. You could trade things, give up. You know, do all this sort of stuff. And there's a lot of like, look, leave me alone here. I'll leave you alone there. Let's go after the government. Okay, you know that sort of stuff goes on too. Evan, your favorite part? Well, I, you know, we're gonna have to make it unanimous because I mean, really, that's kind of the heart of the system mm -hmm. and uh that that's where all the brain burn and all the strategy really comes down to is figuring out do i want to do something on this turn do i want to delay and pass to the next because you can see what's coming next i mean that's the thing i think is great about the system is you can see what's coming next so it's like man if i don't take something here you know one of the bends is going to take this event and that's going to hurt me but man, that one coming up on the next turn is going to de devastate me. So I'm going to pass <laughs> and make sure nobody's able to totally destroy me with that next event, you know? Yeah. So that it, 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 it's like I said, it's, it's the heart of the system. And it, that's where it's all concentrated. And it's, uh, 
it you're right it makes it tense and it, it's just but it's a that good tension you know mm-hmm. and, and for me i know a lot of people say oh roots are, are kind of analogous to coin that's where to me it breaks down because root doesn't have that action selection which which i think just is all four of us have said the exact same thing is is the same thing we like well, thank all three of y'all for coming on. It's been great. I've enjoyed really playing this through with you. We're going to do British Way. Later on, we'll be doing Liberty for uh, Liberty or Death. Hey, and for anybody who's never played Cuba Libra and you have a copy sitting on a shelf, I'll offer again. If you want to join our Discord channel or you're already on our Discord channel and you say, Marty, teach me Cuba Libra, you find we'll get two other people. I will do the exact same thing with you. I did with these gentlemen, and now I have three people here that can take the love of this style of game and spread it out to their game groups, and uh, we'll go from there. So, Ben, Ben, and Evan, I want to thank you so much for playing with me. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, your experiences, and I can't wait to do more with you. Thank you, Marty. Really looking forward to it. All right, nice. All right, guys, it's time to go learn the British way. <laughs>